Would you turn with me this morning to Joshua chapter 3? Joshua chapter 3, the theme verse of the cadets this year is from Joshua 3 verse 5. The Lord will do amazing things among you. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that as they've been talking throughout their, their year on the different amazing things that, that God has done. But this morning I want to look at the context in which Joshua said this. And so we're going to actually cover events that, that go from chapters 3 through 5, uh, but we'll focus our attention this morning just by reading the first, uh, the first of those chapters, chapter 3, after which I'll have a prayer, and then a guest speaker is going to share with you uh, on some words. So let's uh, join in reading this, reminding ourselves of, that the people are getting ready to come into the land. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go, since you've never been there this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Don't go near it. Joshua told the people, and this is the theme verse, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went on ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed, completed the crossing on dry ground. We'll stop our reading at that point. Would you join me in prayer? <clears throat> Father God, as we celebrate the cadet program, we, we focus on their theme, that you'll do amazing things. And we can all testify 
to the way that you have done amazing things in our lives, but help us to focus on the context of this passage this morning in what Joshua was talking about and the amazing things that you have done and that you continue to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jamin, son of Zerah from the tribe of Simeon. Your pastor asked me to reminisce about an amazing event in my past. He invited me to this particular worship service to, because it connects with this theme verse of the cadets, your boys group, and he wanted me to give the context for this verse. I guess your pastor's kind of big into context and historical setting. This verse from Joshua 3, verse 5. Now, I'd actually love to talk about the previous chapter, the story of Rahab, because it was an amazing event in itself. And I knew Rahab. She was a lovely woman whose life was really changed by the God of Israel. But your pastor warned me about talking too long. Well, the theme verse of the cadets is Joshua 3, verse 5. Consecrate yourselves... For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I still get chills up and down my spine when I, when I read that because I heard it in person from Joshua's own mouth. But also because I know what amazing things he was talking about. I know your cadets are talking about a wide variety of amazing things God does among us. The Bible is full of them. Life is full of them. But let me tell you about the specific amazing things that Joshua is talking about here. It covers three chapters of your Bible, which seems an awful lot to read. So let me just tell you the story instead, a firsthand account from someone who's been there. And I know your pastor insisted I put a sermon outline in your bulletins, but you can just ignore that if you want and, and, and just listen to the story. I was 21 when we crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. That's right, I was one of the baby boomers born during the 40 years in the wilderness. About a year before, I had married a beautiful girl named Miriam. She was named after Moses' sister. She was actually a little older and more mature than most girls of marrying age. She was already 15. It was about a week before the 40th anniversary of the Exodus. The day my parents and the other Israelites left Egypt under the leadership of Moses. After 40 years, we still hadn't gotten to the land God promised Abraham, thanks to the sinfulness of the people. But we had the feeling that it would happen soon. After all, 40 years was the statute of limitations God had set on our crimes. Then it happened. Word came down to the campsite that Joshua had issued the order, Pack up, we're going into Canaan. A hush fell over the camp, then a cheer, then some nervous talk and laughter. We were sort of like children waiting for Christmas morning to come, and then when it arrives, being beside themselves in excitement. I say sort of because we'd been waiting for this for 40 years. Longer, really. It had been over 600 years since God had promised this land to Abraham. Now it was going to happen. We would be part of history. Another thing that sends shivers up and down my spine. I could talk all day about what happened next, but I'm going to limit myself to three things from this amazing event that really made an impact on me. The crossing of the Jordan, the memorial, and the covenant renewal. 
when we got to the Jordan River, all anxious and excited, suddenly our hearts sank. Joshua had blown it. The river was at flood stage. It had overflowed its banks and was over a mile wide. And, and this was no mild stream either, but a raging river, not even safe for bathing. Step one foot in and you'd be gone, sweat, swept away from the raging, by the raging current. I could hear the people mumbling around me. Joshua sure blew it. Moses would have never made that mistake. So we camped at Shatim for three days praying and preparing ourselves to cross, although I think most of us were praying for a quick drought. Then Joshua sent his officers into the camp telling us, tomorrow we would cross the Jordan. <laughs> right. Like, where's Noah's Ark when you need it? Well, the next morning I found out the Ark was there. Well, not, not Noah's Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. Normally it sat in the tabernacle in a room called the Holy of Holies, Rumor had it that some priests were carrying it on poles toward the raging river. That's when I remembered Joshua's famous statement from the day before. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And boy, did he ever. As we moved toward the river, suddenly a cheer went up in the front. Everyone pressed ahead, trying to find out what was going on. All I knew is suddenly we we're grabbing our things and moving forward. It took a while, but then I saw it in the distance. The water was standing straight up like walls. We were going straight through the raging Jordan River. It was like deja vu with all those stories our parents told us about crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. The leaders warned us to stay at least a half a mile away from the ark on either side. As we approached the riverbed, I I took off my sandals. I had just made them, and I didn't want to get them all muddy. Miriam did the same. But to our amazement, there was no mud. The riverbed of the mighty Jordan was as dry as the Sinai Desert. Then we saw it, the ark. A half mile away, in the middle of the dried river, with a sea of people streaming by on each side, the golden ark glistened in the sunlight. None of us had ever seen it fully exposed like this. Only the high priest was allowed in its normal chambers then just once a year on the Day of Atonement. But now we could all see this gold-covered box, four feet by two and a half feet, with angels on the top facing each other, wings just touching. And I noticed it was completely quiet. You could hear the birds singing. Everyone is walking by in awe. We were in the presence of the Almighty God. He had gone ahead of us into the raging river, and we had followed. And together we did what the day before seemed hopelessly impossible. Talk about amazing things. Have you ever faced the impossible in your life? Problems? Illnesses? Catastrophes? Obstacles you thought you'd never pass through? Maybe you face some today. Let me tell you from experience, there is nothing impossible when you follow God's lead. There are no uncrossable Jordans if you submit to his will. Even death, which some of your African-American spirituals refer to as crossing the Jordan into the promised land, even death is not impossible to face because God, 
through his living ark, Jesus Christ, crossed through these obstacles first. Think of the raging Jordans you're afraid to cross today. Jesus has gone there first. Are you willing to follow? God can and do, will do amazing things in your life as well. Well, once we all got across, the priest came out with the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as the last priest stepped out, the floodwaters came roaring back, and the Jordan was once again a raging river. Joshua then moved us toward Gilgal, where we set up camp. Oh, I forgot something. While crossing the Jordan, I saw a dozen men each picking up a big rock in the river. I'll admit that they were nice stones made round and smooth by that rock tumbler called the Jordan River, but, but I thought, what a time for souvenir hunting. I didn't think much about it after that until we got to Gilgal. There I saw Joshua supervising these same men as they were setting up these big stones in a pile. Twelve stones, I counted. Kind of looked like a monument. After they were done, Joshua turned to us and said, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us when we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So that was it. A national monument staking God's claim in the land, encouraging our daily walk with him, and giving us an educational tool to teach our children. When Joshua said children, Miriam looked at me and blushed. Little did we know it then, but she was three months pregnant with Zachary. Twelve years later, just before Zachary's bar mitzvah, I took him on a father-son camping trip to Gilgal National Park. Sure enough, the monument was still there. You know what Zach asked me? Dad, what do these stones mean? With tears of joy in my eyes, I, I told him how the God of Israel, his God, the only God, had dried up the Jordan and brought us into the land of promise. I made that trip seven times with each of our boys as they turned 12. I even had the opportunity to go with Zach when he took his 12-year-old son, Jedediah. Every time I stand before that memorial, my heart sticks in my throat, tears well up in my eyes, and I stand in awe again at the amazing things God has done. I heard of others who in the early years when we were still fighting to claim the land would slip back to Gilgal and take a look at that monument. It reminded them that God does amazing things and renewed their faith in them. They came back re reinvigorated and, and ready to fight again on the side of the Lord of hosts. You know, when you read the book of Joshua, you'll notice that we erected no less than seven memorial monuments in the land of Canaan, now the land of Israel. I like to think that in doing so, we staked God's claim over all the land, north, south, east, and west, as well as setting up educational tools for our children and encouraging reminders for ourselves of, of who God is 
and how he continues to do amazing things among us. Do you take advantage of the memorials and monuments that you have? This church building and others scattered around the town and the country kind of remind me of our memorials. They are God's way of staking his claim on your land. The cross in this building, on necklaces and the like, are memorials of that great salvation event in Jesus Christ. The sacraments, Lord's Supper and baptism, family traditions, family lore, all encourage our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren to ask the question, what does it mean? And as the monuments told the story to our children and encouraged us, the Bible does the same thing for you today. It reminds us of our powerful and loving God who does amazing things among us. Well, once we had set up camp at Gilgal, the soldiers were all pumped and ready to go into battle. Jericho wasn't far away, and, and military strategy called for the element of surprise. It probably wasn't too bad an idea either, since we heard later that the Canaanite kings were shaking in their boots when they heard about our Jordan crossing. But Joshua had other ideas, and it's kind of hard to argue with a man who just led you across a raging river. God was obviously on his side. Joshua said we needed to do two things first, which meant delaying the battle for several days. First of all, all the men and boys were to be circumcised. You see, the men of fighting age who came out of Egypt, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, all died in the desert. And no one born there in the wilderness, including yours truly, had been circumcised. Rabbis say it was for hygienic reasons. I'm thinking maybe it was because God wanted, wanted us to, to remind ourselves as we started out in the land who we were and who we were connected with. Circumcision, as Joshua explained, marked every male as a, a, a son of Abraham and a member of God's covenant. It would also set us apart from the Canaanites in the land. Joshua wanted to get off on the right foot, <clears throat> consecrating ourselves before God. Well, it put our army out of commission for a good week, and we lost the element of surprise. But God had met better, more amazing things in mind. Don't get me even started on the walls of Jericho. Three days later, on the 14th day of Nisan, not your car, but our month, on the 14th day of Nisan, Joshua gathered us together to celebrate the Passover. How fitting. Exactly. 40 years since the day my parents and the other Israelites celebrated the original Passover and left the land of Egypt. You have to understand that the 14th of Nisan is sort of like the 4th of July for Americans. It's Independence Day, the day God freed us from the tyranny of Pharaoh. The Passover hadn't been celebrated like this in 39 years since its first anniversary at Mount Sinai. And what a celebration it was. Remember, we'd been living on manna and quail for 40 years. And now we had unleavened bread and roasted grain. From that point on, we ate food from the land flowing with milk and honey. Nothing like I've ever tasted in my life. <clears throat> in fact, by habit, uh, Miriam went out the next morning to get the daily manna. <laughs> 
There was none. From then on, we ate from the bounty of the promised land. You'd think upon entering the land, we'd want to immediately establish ourselves, win some battles, take some territory, and some of us did. But Joshua showed us that our first priority was to renew our relationship with God. Everything else could wait. I learned a lesson from those first days in the land. Since that time, I've always tried to put God first every day, starting the day with prayer, asking his guidance before any task or job. Do you do the same? Jesus did while he was on earth. Before major events, tasks, projects, do you ask God to be present? Do you start with him before you start school? Before you start your job? Before you uh, start housework? Before you start whatever activities you have? Joshua taught me how to put God first in my agenda. Will you learn the same? Well, I've been rambling on and on. I'm sure I've bored you to tears, but I can't help sharing about the amazing things God did among us. They made quite an impact on me. It's reminded me to follow God's leading since nothing is impossible, no Jordan uncrossable with him. It's reminded me to use memorials and monuments to encourage myself and others and to teach my children of God's loving faithfulness and and great power that allows him to do amazing things among us. And it reminds me to make sure God has first place in my day and my life. And I hope you all, especially you cadets, keep your eyes open to the amazing things God does among us. It's amazing how one event can have such an impact on a person. You know, you've been witnesses to an even greater event. Through the Bible, you have witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no better evidence of God's amazing grace. What kind of impact is that making on your lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for doing amazing things among us. The most amazing being that you would send your only son to die for us, to bring us back into relationship with you, to to promise us eternity, an eternal promised land. Lord, as we confront those things that seem like Jordans, that seem like obstacles this week, with the various things that that are going to come before us, we pray that you would help us to remember the stories that we've just looked at and help us to remember that you do amazing things among us and help us to bow before your amazing grace. We pray in the name of Jesus who makes all these things possible. Amen. Let's respond by singing together Amazing Grace. If you're following along and lift up your hearts, it's number 691. And we'll sing stanzas one through five. And let's stand as we sing. <laughs>